This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, hello. Happy Sunday, my friends, and welcome to another TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your host, Russell Hargreaves. We begin today's podcast by looking back at last night's Under-21s European Championship final England's young Lions triumphed over Spain. Here's how the game sounded, live on TalkSport. England's date with destiny. You have to go all the way back to May 1984. And Wham! was storming the music charts. Out to Gordon down the left-hand side. Gordon trying to cut into the penalty area. Shoots right-footed. And the goalkeeper parries it clear. Brilliant. Attack. That's what you want to see. Attack the defenders. Probing start from England. Sergio Gomez with the delivery and headed right across the face of goal. Paredes up from the back. Palmer is showing some interest as well. And it is going to be Palmer left-footed deflected. And England lead in the final. Ruiz has gone down. And he stayed down inside the six-yard box. The play will continue. The referee is coming over to the... VAR screen. I'm not surprised this is getting checked. And Spain, in the seventh added minute, have the chance to equalise. A long run up from the Spain captain. All in blue. Trafford bounces on his line again. Saved it! And he saved the rebound! And England surely have won the European Championship in the most dramatic of fashion. James Trafford, take a bow. There goes the full-time whistle. 39 years of heartache wiped away by these brave young Lions. And Harwood Bellis is about to lift the trophy into the air that says for the first time in 39 years, England are under-21 European champions. We've said he hasn't really been tested. We've not seen his shot stopping at all. We've seen it now. Not only that, but to jump up and save the rebound that was on target, that was going to go in. The heroics would have meant nothing if the rebound had gone in. He saved that as well. Rightly, everyone is running over to James Trafford at the final whistle. You have to feel for Ruiz, of course, missing the penalty. He's distraught. The Spanish players are distraught. But overall, England deserves to win this tournament. Under Aidy Boothroyd and previous, they just couldn't couldn't be successful. They wasn't successful at all. And it's always been disappointment with the under-21s. The age groups below has, has always been success and there's always been joy. 21s just seem to 
have this voodoo against them that they couldn't get it done. Lee Carsley's come in, Ashley Cole, Jolien Lescott, all the backroom staff, and they've really changed it around. They've worked on the defensive unity and they've got an array of talent going forward. It's unfortunate a team has to lose. The way it's lost, of course, uh, Abel Ruiz is going to be distraught for, for many weeks to come. But you have to get over that. You've, you've put yourself forward to take the penalty. You've missed, unfortunately. That, that happens. But absolute delight for the England national side. And if you, if, you look at, if you look at the tournament as a whole and conceding none, then you have to say they deserved it. I said this against, um, I think it was Germany in the group stage. After that game, I said they have to be favourites and they've gone on to win the tournament. Absolutely brilliant. On to cricket, where it was a rain-affected third day of the third Ashes Test between England and Australia at Headingley yesterday. Here's how we summed up what happened on TalkSport. Well, we didn't get out onto the field until quarter to five, and at times it didn't seem like we were going to get any play here at Headingley. But boy, are England uh, relieved that the ground staff did their job because England came out to bowl uh, in perfect conditions for swing and seam, and they made immediate uh, inroads into that Australian batting uh, lineup. Mitchell Marsh, the danger man, the centurion from the first innings, trying to take his bat away from the ball, uh, but didn't do so in time. Uh, the edge taken by Johnny Bairstow. Wokes with the first wicket, Wokes with the second. Alex Carey booed to the crease, booed back to the pavilion. He again tried to withdraw the bat, a glove. Um, uh, couldn't get the glove out of the way and the ball cannoned down onto the stumps. 139 for six at that stage. And then England went short. Mitchell Stark, who batted pretty nicely up until that point, uh, trying to flick a ball to mid-wicket. And um, it was a fine run and grab by Harry Brook. Two balls later, or rather two runs later, Pat Cummins uh, caught behind from the bowling of Mark Wood. And the lead was this side of, um, of 200. Australia on the ropes, and they needed a fine counter-attacking partnership between uh, Todd Murphy and Travis Head. Travis Head, the last man out in the end, hauling out for 77. The target for England is now set clear. 251 to win the third test match. Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett out there now um, and they've chiselled away nine runs off of that. Zach Crawley seven, Ben Duckett two and I reckon we've got, well I know how much we've got, we've got 19 minutes of play left here at Headingley tonight. The floodlights are on but boys it's the best batting conditions of the day. Blue skies as far as you can see. The sun's out and a real opportunity for England now. They've just got to take it. 250. I'd have took that. I really would. Anything north of 270, 275 I thought was a real big ask against this bowling attack. Um, but if England don't win from here, um, obviously you see them getting beat 5-0. But I'm not saying they deserve to get beat 5-0. But they've had so many chances in this series. And this was a great chance. 250, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really positive that we can, we can go on and win this game. To the game day breakfast now. An ex-Chelsea and Millwall striker Tony Cascarino gave his thoughts on the weekend's sporting headlines. He started by paying tribute to Lions owner and chairman John Berylson, who tragically passed away earlier this week. religious man family man was into he was big style into investing into education and America and, and, and done loads of look he bankrolled the club for a number of years and very in, in a year or have we looked in the last few years of 
owners that sack managers. It seems that you know for the slightest reason, not just on results, but even sometimes a lot less. It does. It doesn't have to be a bad job. They can actually do quite a good job and still be sacked. John was very, very loyal to his managers, mm. and uh, a sad loss for Millwall Football Club because they really did have a true great owner. If you are in a football club like Chelsea, you cannot talk about to to do a nice job and to play well. Uh, it's, it's of course <laughs> do a good job, play well because this is uh, it's our uh, style and philosophy and culture. But of course to win. If you don't win uh, in a club like Chelsea. For sure, you are going to struggle. They've sacked a number of managers already in one one full season, and he knows he's sitting there thinking, being mediocre mid-table, it ain't going to work. You know, I've got to have a team that get into the Champions League bare minimum because of how they spend money, the type of ambition the owners have showed, and it's backfired. Yes, they've made huge mistakes, and they're hoping that this isn't a mistake. Announcing Poch. Um, I, I, I really I really hope he goes well because I think he's the, the guy that had to come into the club and just first and foremost get stability and then have an idea of shrinking the squad, working with a group of players that he's with day in, day out and developing them. I think they needed that at a football club. Why are you selling a unique asset that at one point underpinned English football before the arrival of the Premier League... Mm. Uh, to a, to the Premier League because the FA Cup is a, to me is a fundamental part of the domestic calendar of the English football. My my issue with it is I don't know why we want to give control of it to the to Premier them. League. Yeah, this is the FA Cup. This is the FA's trophy. So you hold on to it. You control it. Don't give it to the Premier League. You know, I, and I say this as as a fan of a Premier League club right now. Mm. So I, I just find it that a little baffling. I'm not sure why you would want to do that. Now, of course, the suggestion is partly down to the fact that uh, this is due to the expansion of the Champions League, where there's going to mm. be more group games coming up in the 24-25 uh, season, and this is when this shake-up is meant to come into four, uh, into force, and and it. Some of the other ideas are, as you mentioned, no cup replays. The prospects of early rounds of the competitions will be played in midweek. There will be the FA Cup itself, the final, would not be a standalone weekend. It would actually be a Saturday, for example, right. and the Premier League fixtures would take place on the Sunday. That's one way that they're looking at it. Now, for me, as someone who's a bit of an old, you know, yeah, traditionalist, yeah, yeah. I quite like the FA Cup being the final competition domestically for us I, I that's just how i always see the season pan out so for it to kind of just be lost in the middle of a premier league weekend for me again I'm... doesn't feel, sit right with me to the saturday session now with dan windle and perry graves david Ahea has confirmed his Manchester United exit. Emotional farewell put up on his social media channels. The keeper departs Old Trafford after 12 years winning the Premier League, Europa League, FA Cup. Contract expired last month. There was talk that De Gea and the club could get around the table, confirm a new deal for him, which would see him take a pay cut to remain on United's books. But De Gea has confirmed he is leaving the football club. I think he's, he's probably, of those three... He's probably the third best out of those three, but he's not far off of Edwin van der Sar and Peter Michael. And as I said before, it's normally your peers that are a good judge, you know, of players who've played against him and players who've played in front of him. And to get in the PFA team five times uh, of the season on the trot 
and I, but I think that tells its story because the last time he was in the PFA team of the year was 2017, 2018. And I think he's been on a steady decline uh, since then. I think in, um, in the World Cup, we saw that he was, you know, um, the World Cup before last, that he was probably just on his way uh, declining. De Gea is a legend and I, will, I honestly will be really, really sad to see him go because I think his presence, especially in the dressing room, someone who's been there 12 years, kind of one of the last people to have actually won the Premier League in that team. Um, I think his presence will be sorely, sorely missed and I'm really, really sad that he's going. You know, he has this season, you know, I've been very frustrated uh, watching him this year. Uh, sorry, last season. Um, you know, the, he's pulled us out of so many tight spots over the years. Oh, I'm absolutely over the moon. This, this <laughs> Not on the fence, him, Lewis. No, this should have happened years ago. You know, he, he's been there 12 years. It's, oh, I'm just so happy he's finally got... I know he, I know he does split United fans. Um, some love him because of his reflex saves. But that's all he really had for me is, as a top goalkeeper. You need a lot more than just being a... You know, you can you can be a decent shot stopper. Every other department of his game, he just didn't tick. He was useless at coming for crosses. He wasn't a presence in the box. He he was always scared of getting injured. A little he bit harsh here. You're being Lewis, aren't you? Being a little harsh here. No, I'm not that. What's he won in, in 12 years? One Premier League. So you know, people say he's a legend. A legend for what? Yeah, a couple of times he was the player of the season, but that's a big so what? Because we didn't win anything in those seasons. We were rubbish. You know. What, what, what did he? For me, a legend's Edwin van der Sar. He saved the penalty to win us the Champions League, and he won about three or four league titles with us. Schmeichel, another, he was a legend, won the Champions League and numerous league titles. I, I don't see what, how he gets a legend status in some people's eyes. Ahead of this afternoon's British Grand Prix, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner has sat down with TalkSport to discuss Red Bull's current domination and his fiery relationship with arch-rival Toto Wolff and his Mercedes team. Well, I've never been a believer in that because, I mean, he's, he's trying hard to beat us and we're trying to ensure that we stay ahead of him. And so I don't see, whilst there has to be a respect, I don't see you know, some form of false friendship um, yeah, for me is uh, unrealistic. So no chance of you going down to the pub with him after after a race and having a having a drink. <laughs> I'm not so sure Toto is the type of person that goes to the pub. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you enjoy having that back and forth with him that we've seen so often in the media over the last few years? Um, well, look, he's part of sport. It's part of competition, and, and he's incredibly easy to pull his chain. So, uh, <laughs> so that's yeah, that's part of rivalry. It's part of sport, isn't it? I mean, uh, there has to be a competitive rivalry. The team. You know, it's not um, uh, it's not a garden party. You know, we're there to compete, we're there to win, and um, and every member of the team knows that. And the team that want to beat us the most are, are are the ones that are just up the road. And what about your relationship with someone like Lewis Hamilton? I know he's never raced for you, yeah. but you, you surely must have a huge amount of respect for everything he's, he's achieved. Yeah, in look, sport. I mean, huge respect for Lewis. He's he's achieved the most successful driver of all time. I mean, what his records speak for themselves. Uh, they're huge. At the same point, he's a rival, but you know there can still be a respect um, for everything that he's achieved, and and uh, and also outside of the cockpit as well, the way he's um, you know, highlighted issues on on equality and race and so on. I think he's done a, a tremendous job as an ambassador for uh, Formula One. Do you think him and Max could ever have been teammates if they'd have driven together or, or been on the same team? That's like you know saying, could you have two? 
two centre forwards, you know, playing for your favourite football team that are both hugely competitive and hugely talented. I mean, it would be unrealistic to uh, to put those two in in the same team. Let's move on to Max Verstappen. I mean, I'm 26. Max is a year younger than me, mm-hmm. and he's already a double world champion, surpassed Ayrton Senna in terms of F1 Grand Prix victories. I mean, what is he like to work with? Because you've worked with some great drivers here at Red Bull down the years, like Sebastian Vettel, mm-hmm. David Coulthard, Mark Webber. How does he compare to some of those? Well, he's just an outstanding talent. I mean, his, his natural ability is one that I haven't seen before, and I think that... Uh, um, you know his dedication and commitment is the same with with some of those top guys you just mentioned. I mean, Sebastian was one of the hardest working drivers we ever had. So I think that um, you know Max has just got this raw ability, but on top of that, he's just got this hunger and determination that that sets him apart. You know, he's um, he's it's never enough. It's like that one extra point in Austria. He wanted it. He he wanted. The clean sweep, and um, and and you have to admire that in his in his drive and personality. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the TalkSport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way. Whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for, Enterprise can help. With over 450 locations across the UK, they're just around the corner. Whether you need a weekend rental, a holiday hire, a replacement car or you're planning a business trip, home or away, Enterprise are there to help. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Now rounding up another action-packed day at Wimbledon, here's TalkSport's Lisa O'Sullivan. World number one, Carlos Alcaraz dropped a set on his way past Nico Jari of Chile in a match that lacked a little of the X-factor. Now he meets former finalist Matteo Berrettini, who handed Alexander Zverev a straight sets defeat. World number three, Daniil Medvedev, came from a set down to progress to a last 16 meeting with Yizhi Lehechka, the Czech who finally got past the USA's Tommy Paul 6-2, 7-6, 6-7, 6-7, 6-2. Speaking of Americans, Christopher Eubanks continues to impress. Three tie-breaks getting him past Christopher O'Connell to a meeting with the ever-improving Stefanos Tsitsipas. Two-time champion Petra Kvitova's into the last 16 of the women's draw for only a second time since winning her second title in 2014. And she'll play Ons Jabeur, who admitted a rain-break helped her reset mid-match against the impressive Bianca Andreescu. Second seed, Irina Sabalenka lost the first set but came through in three. She'll play Ekaterina Alexandrova in the last 16. 
But the rain prevented Anastasia Potapova from tackling the teenage talent of Mira Andreeva. They're on court three in the second match on Middle Sunday. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. There'll be another one of these TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning. So do what you can to get it. And until then, thanks for listening to the TalkSport Daily. That was a podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Daily podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.